0: You're listening to The Brook in Madison, Alabama. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Um, There's a saying that there are two things guaranteed in life. You know what those are, don't you? Death and taxes. So how appropriate that they come so close together. Uh, I was actually informed yesterday was not technically tax day. That's Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, nevertheless, the reaper is at the door and knocking, okay? Um, and until Jesus returns, or you leave this earth, or you go live somewhere else, uh, you can expect that to continue. The taxes will come, rendered to Caesar. But what about death? What does it mean that death is, is guaranteed, there are these four friends who were talking about death, and one of them said to his other three friends, you know, what do you guys want people to say when they're walking in front of your casket? Well, one of the friends was a doctor, and he said, well, you know, I hope people say he was a great doctor. He he uh, helped people with with their health. He even saved lives. Okay, great. Friend number two says, well, I hope that people look at me and remember me as a great husband and father that I love my family really, really well. Oh yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, guy number three, he's just kind of standing there like not really wanting to chime in. They said, well, hey, what about you? And he said, well, to be honest, when people walk by my casket, I want them to look in and say, look, he's breathing. (laughs) We don't really want to die, but we're all going to. Um, death is certain at some point, um, our, our bodies are going to expire. They're going to return to dust. We don't like the prospect of dying. And I think that's probably a healthy thing. Um, we don't sit around and, and think about how great it would be to just suffer and agonize. Um, and many of you, you have known people, loved people like myself, who maybe the last few days or weeks of their life was just that. Um, we, We don't want to think about dying, but that's not death. Death is finality. Death is the end. Death is eternal separation. And that's why today we celebrate the defeat of death. We celebrate the death of death. That's what Easter is all about. Before I go any further today, I I want to kind of give a little disclaimer. Um, We're not here today to explain. We're here to declare. And here's what I mean by that. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not believed through finally reasoning or rationalizing um, or gaining this total mental understanding. The gospel is believed through faith if the gospel, if the good news of Christ relies on the eloquence or the articulation of someone like myself or another human being, then we're all in big trouble, myself included. But it doesn't rely on that. The gospel rests in and relies on the power and the character of God. It's not an explanation, again, for mental understanding, although there are things that we understand. It's a declaration of what God has done in and through the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and it can only be believed through faith. Therefore, this morning, we are here to declare the mystery and victory of the cross and the hope that we have in and through Jesus Christ. So with that, if you will turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and um, hopefully you're awake and excited. Um, I'm ready to roll here. Let's go. 1 Corinthians, Paul begins by talking about the crucifixion. He concludes the letter by talking about the resurrection. It's quite fitting. Look with me In chapter 15, beginning in verse 50, Paul says, I tell you this brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, Regardless of how much you may either like or dislike what you see when you look at the mirror, what you deal with when you hop out of the bed, it's not going with you. Okay? So because of this, we need something eternal to hold on to. Verse 54 When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, when the temporary grasps the eternal, then it will come to pass the saying that is written Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, okay, how did we wind up here? Let's take this back to the beginning for a moment. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden rebelled against God. They were deceived, they rebelled against God. They knew what they were doing, and in doing this, They sinned and brought sin into the world. And as God is telling them the consequences of that sin, we learn that the consequences of sin is death. Adam and Eve are now expelled from the garden, okay? The consequences of sin is death. As they are being expelled from the garden, God explains to Adam that your life, it's gonna have an end now. God says, out of the ground you were made, from dust you came, to dust you will return. Your life will now have an ending. So now what is Paul saying here? Well, I reiterated what Paul basically said. Sin brought death into the world. It separated us from God. Well, then Paul goes further. He says that the sting of death the root of it, the pain of it, the reminder of it, the agony of it, the root, the sting of death is sin. But then he goes further and he says that the power of sin is the law. What does that mean? Because we read that the power of sin is the law and we think, now wait a minute, the law, that's like the commandments, that's the old covenant. How is the power of sin the law. Shouldn't the power of sin be like Satan? The power of sin is evil. What does Paul mean here? Well, here's what he means. The law, it forever reminds us of a couple of things. The law always forever reminds us, first of all, that on our own, we can't keep it. Every time that we look at it, we realize on my own, I cannot fulfill this. Therefore, I also realize that on my own, I cannot defeat sin. So what happens is the sting of that de- uh, of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. It reminds me of what sin is done. And so we read what Paul says, and it seems very, very gloomy and bleak, but... Verse 57, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therein lies the mystery and the victory of the cross. So let's talk about this for a moment. Let's talk about the mystery. What is the mystery of the cross? Well, definitely one part of it is the fact that one of, if not the, most brutal torture and execution devices ever known to mankind has now become the symbol for our salvation. Do you understand that if you were walking down the road, even let's say second century BC, but let's even say two weeks before Jesus died and you were having a conversation with someone and you said, hey man, the cross, oh, that just gets me inside. I love the cross. That person would look at you and say, what in the world is the matter with you? You are sick in the head. When you look at the cross, you should run in fear because the only thing that happens on one of those is you are humiliated, tortured, and executed. Our whole view of the cross changed. There's a mystery there. That mystery leads us to the victory that the cross, the one that Jesus hung on, it very effectively killed him. But the grave could not keep him. The mystery here's a mystery for you that life is actually found in death. Life is found in death. How is that possible? Well, because you cannot be raised to new life without the old life coming to an end. Let's say it another way. You can't have a resurrection without first having a crucifixion. You cannot raise to new life what has not been put to death. So therein again brings the victory that Jesus' death has brought us life By defeating sin, Jesus' resurrection has given us hope by defeating death. Let me repeat that. Jesus' life, Jesus' life, his death has given us life by defeating sin. His resurrection has given us hope by defeating death. A.W. Tozer in the Radical Cross says this, then it should be remembered that Jesus could not save us by the cross alone. He must rise from the dead to give validity to his finished work. A dead Christ would be as helpless as the ones he tried to save. Turn with me to Paul's letter to the Romans. Look with me in Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Paul says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Last week, we talked about the demands of the cross and that you and I, it all begins with us identifying with the cross of Jesus Christ, that we become united with him in a death like his. And Paul says, when that happens, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Verse six, we know that our old self was crucified with him For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Friends, to celebrate Easter is to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. I know you hear that and you think, hey, thanks. (laughs) We were kind of missing that you know, is that all we're going to get this morning? Uh, I think we all get that. That's why we're here to celebrate Easter is to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But I don't know that we really grasp all that that implies with it. To celebrate Easter, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus is to also celebrate the death of sin. Now grab this. We cannot celebrate the death of sin and continue to knowingly walk in it. We, we can't come in here this morning and glory in the amazing grace of God that has saved us, covered us, forgiven us from our sins, and then walk back out the door and knowingly walk in that sin. It doesn't work like that. Paul says we must put it to death. How does that happen? We'll turn the page. Romans chapter 8. Beginning in verse 1, Paul says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. In and through Jesus Christ, slavery to sin has been broken, okay? We walk and we live in the victory over that sin when we walk and we live according to the Spirit. So that means for you and I, if we come to know Christ, surrender to Christ, his Spirit has come to live within us and the Spirit directs us and how we should and how we shouldn't walk. If you want to celebrate Easter, walk in the spirit. Oswald Chambers has one of the greatest daily devotionals ever written. And it's called My Upmost for His Highest. And I want to read you a little bit of what Chambers wrote this past Tuesday. He says, the idea all through the Apostle Paul's writings is that after the decision to be identified with Jesus in his death has been made, the resurrection life of Jesus penetrates every bit of my human nature. It takes the omnipotence of God, his complete and effective divinity to live the life of the son of God in human flesh. The Holy Spirit cannot be accepted as a guest in merely one room of the house, he invades all of it. And once I decide that my old man, that is my heredity of sin should be identified with the death of Jesus, the Holy Spirit invades me. He takes charge of everything. And now listen to this. My part is to walk in the light and to obey all that he reveals to me. Once I have made that important decision about sin, it is easy to reckon that I am actually dead indeed to sin, because I find the life of Jesus in me all the time. Just as there is only one kind of humanity, there is only one kind of holiness, the holiness of Jesus. And it is his holiness that has been given to me. God puts the holiness of his son into me and I belong to a new spiritual order. Again, I I really think that maybe mentally, cognitively, it's like, we get that. I, I, I quote, understand that. But in some shape, form or fashion, we're still going, but what does that look like? I mean, what does it really look like to to walk in the Spirit? Well, to further maybe help us understand this, I want you to think about something. How does a child search for something? Now, I'm not talking about like if there's an Easter egg with a $50 bill in it. All of a sudden, they know how to search like mad. But, you know... That conversation of maybe the the kid coming and saying, hey, mom, I can't find my whatever it is. Or maybe worse yet, mom can't find her something and someone borrowed it. But let's just take the scenario that, hey, happened to happen in our house yesterday. Mom, where is my whatever, you know? Have you looked? Yes. Go look again five minutes later, here we are. I can't find it. You know, and what typically happens, especially mom, mom knows like the, 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 you know, the find my phone thing. Mom has one of those things in her head. All of you moms do like, you know, the general vicinity of things. Okay. Billy, take me to your room and show me how you looked, you know? And so Billy will go and he'll open the door to his room and be like, see, It's not anywhere. And it usually takes mom anywhere from 30 seconds to five minutes and she finds it. Oh, I didn't look there. That's how we search ourselves for sin. We go, oh, yep, no sin there, not today. If, if we want to walk in the spirit, um, it's got to look different. I want you for a moment to imagine that this lovely blue trunk is my life. There's got to begin to be a point where I, I get alone with the Lord And first of all, my life's going to have to have some quiet. And that's probably half of our battle right there. I mean, I don't even think we know what quiet is anymore. I would literally exhort you, go get in a closet. Hey, family, if you love me, when I go in this closet to pray, don't come bother me if you do you better ask Jesus first. And if he gives you the clear, all right. But you know, I need to get alone with the Lord and I need to be able to say Lord, I need you through the power of your spirit and your word to search me. Not not like my my child looking for something, but how about more like King David? If you look at Psalm 139, David kind of shares with us what this is supposed to look like. David says in Psalm 139, verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and test me and know my thoughts. And make make sure you understand, David is not saying, search me, God, and know my heart because right now you don't. Uh, And God, you should really try my thoughts too because you're not gonna believe what I'm thinking. No, David is saying, God, I need you to search me, test me and try me because you already know my heart. You already know my thoughts and I need to know what you see. And then David says, see if there be any grievous, offensive way in me. God, show me if there's anything in my life that's breaking my fellowship with you and lead me in the way everlasting. God, bring me to a place of repentance. Lord, I need you to show me what my life is filled with. And I don't need to know about the surface. I know all about the surface. There's all kinds of stuff on the surface. Uh, I'm very fairly aware of the fact that yes, um, if, if I got one more t-shirt, I could clothe an entire third world country. I could. I could solve the shirt problem right there. So do I need the new shirt? I don't, I don't know. Well, maybe I do. Um, you know, God starts saying, hey, Brian, you care way too much about what you look like way too much. I don't even have anything God shows me in the trunk, but all the time God reminds me that I care way too much about other people's approval. Way too much. And God will show you that there are things in your life that they're not bad, but maybe there are times that you get really hung up in those things and maybe you're looking at things and watching things that they're not horrible, but they're sure not doing anything to draw you closer to God. And yeah, there's a lot of that in there. But, and, and, but then God gets deep and he starts showing you things that at first you're like, what in the world is this? And then you begin to realize, like I, I remember several years ago, God said, oh, well, Brian, you remember when so-and-so wounded you? Yeah, see, you haven't really let that go. And even though that person is not even around you anymore, you are a slave to it. And you're poisoning everything else in your life. And had to pull over to the side of the highway. I'll be honest with you, maybe twice in my life, and this is one of them, have I ever literally yelled at God? Somebody probably drove past and wondered, what in the world is that guy doing on the side of the road beside his Jeep, screaming at nobody? I did not want to let go of this. I wanted to stay wounded. But here's the thing. Once you let God reveal it all and and just dump it all out, and and there are times, believe me, when we do it, y'all, we, oh, but you know, that's okay. And, And God starts going, no for crying out loud. Get it all out. And stop putting it back in. Search me, God. Show me what's buried. Test me. Empty me of me so that you can start to fill me again. If you want to celebrate Easter, I would encourage you to invite the spirit of the living God to invade every room of your home. Every room of your life He doesn't just want in the kitchen. He wants in every part of it. Allow him to show you where that fellowship is broken. Search me, God, and know my heart. And understand this, when you come, the only reason that you can come is because in Christ Jesus, you are holy and fully accepted by the Father. But see, while you and I are still in these perishable bodies and we still wrestle with sin, we're going to stumble and fall. The question is, will we walk in repentance? Will we choose to walk in the light? I want to encourage you this morning. Let the mystery and victory of the cross remind you today that when the spirit of God and the word of God bring conviction of sin into your life, this is not God rejecting you. This is actually God affirming and loving you and reminding you that you belong to him. As we close, go back to Romans chapter eight. In verse 12, Paul says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. Friends, if we continue to walk in our sin, we will essentially walk in death. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body... You will live for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we can cry out, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Friends, to celebrate Easter is to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. To celebrate the resurrection of Jesus is to celebrate the death and the defeat of sin. So may we truly celebrate by walking in obedience and victory over sin. We must put it to death. I'd like to close this morning by reading with you from Galatians chapter 2. Verse 20. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to ask you to read it with me. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Will you read that with me? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, today, we're here together to to thank you, to praise you, to worship you. Lord, we pray that for every moment of our life that we worship you, we would also follow you. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would have the freedom today to speak to our hearts, that we would have the courage today to walk in obedience. Speak to us now, Lord. If you're here this morning and and you would say, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I, I'm a Christian. I don't know if I've ever put my faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe you even just know that's never been me. In a few moments, um, we're we going to respond to the Lord with singing, with communion, but I want to encourage you if that's you some of our pastors and elders leaders are going to be in the back at the tables they would love to talk with you pray with you we're not going to ask you to sign anything we just believe that the most important thing that you could ever do in your life is to not only know who Jesus is but surrender to him church today, for those who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ, we're going to begin in a moment by taking communion, and as we do that this morning, I want to just remind you that the night before he died, Jesus was with his disciples, and he took the bread after he broke it and handed it out to them he said this is my body it's going to be broken for you and then he took the cup and he said this is my blood it's going to be spilled for you and just a few days later they would understand Take that bread and that cup together and remember that Jesus laid down his life so that we might have life. We're going to sing and we're going to worship and celebrate. truth that if we have been united with him in his death we will most certainly be united with him in his resurrection lord jesus we praise you we honor you you are king of kings and lord of lords your name is above all names Invite you um, to come and take communion. Thanks for listening to The Brook. If you'd like more information about our church or what it means to follow Christ, you can visit our website at ThebrookChurch.com.